0: My lords, ladies and gentlemen, your president, his highness, the viceroy of the Balls Pond Road, wishes to take metal polish strain through a sock with all his honoured guests. Please be upstanding and charge your socks. The toast, brown,
1: the hall.
2: And in this edition, our special guests are the revolting Muldoons and Bobo in a despicable act with the bread pudding. <laughs> There'll be a trip round the world in song with Gut Gutbucket and the Electric Druids. <laughs> and comparing the proceedings as your own, your very own, Kenneth. I won't unscrew my elbows. I'm not stopping.
3: <laughs> that was Douglas Smith. A suitable case for treatment. Is there a vet in the house by any chance? Right. Well, now, here are the answers to last week's questions. The first aid question. Well, the answer came in several parts as follows. You squeeze it. You hold it under a cold tap till it goes down. (laughs) You smear it with wintergreen. (laughs) And then you jump about screaming. Now, from rheumatic knees to the final part of the question. (laughs) Well, you'll remember I showed you a picture and asked, what were they doing? (laughs) Well, he was administering the kiss of life. Now, uh... (laughs) Mr. Grant what can I say? I... Try to be patient with you, but this time you really have let your imagination run riot. Even if what you had suggested was remotely conceivable, I'm sure the International Red Cross would have stopped it long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving rapidly on from the kiss of life, we come to the kiss of death. Smith? <laughs> Make the announcement.
2: No, I come from haunts of coot and fur. Oh, In a cowslip's bell, I lie. I can put a... <laughs> I can put a girdle around the earth in 40 minutes and make it five pounds lighter. Smith. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks to Dobby Tech's medical cummerbunds for horses. They said I was mad. They said Mozart was mad. But I'll show you. I'll show you all. You see this ray gun I'm holding in my hand? Unless you give me the secret plans. I'm... Not so fast, Dr. Krautmeier.
4: <laughs> Stand back, Mr. Horror. Good
3: heavens, it's batsman.
4: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, Mr. President. Wherever the forces of evil strike, Batman is there. How'd you like me tight, Stacie?
3: They suit you, turn.
5: <laughs> All right, Robin.
0: Yes, Batman. I'll tell you what do you want me to do, Robin?
4: Robin. Grab this power craze maniac and take him to a place where he can do no harm. You
2: can't do this to me. Uh, I've been held down too long.
4: And, and so perish all enemies of democracy. America is on the march that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth, except when it's expedient. <laughs> if you're ever in trouble, Mr. President, just send for Batman.
3: I never get this trouble on 20 questions, <laughs> Well, now it's time for the Kenneth Horne Theatre of Suspense. (laughs) My name is Dr. Poster Nay (laughs) Balstrode. But we needn't go into that. Suffice it to say that it didn't work out and I was discharged from the Indian Army. (laughs) Picture me, if you will, as I was then in the spring of 1888, a portly red-faced man with mutton-chop whiskers, a shepherd's pie beard and a shock of red hair. <laughs> the shock being that it used to revolve and squirt water. <laughs> I took Chambers in Baker Street with a private investigator, a hawk-faced man with a hook nose. His dress tended to the flamboyant. He wore a Sherlock Holmes hat, a Sherlock Holmes cape, and he smoked a Sherlock Holmes pipe. His name, dear listener, as you probably guessed, was Gladys Lustger. <laughs> A pseudonym which fools nobody except, we hope, the executors of the late Arthur Conan Doyle. One afternoon I was in his study while he was working on a case, and, as was his wont, to help his concentration, he was playing a wistful air on his instrument.
4: Well, Dr Poston, dear old friend, I think I've cracked it.
3: Oh, bad luck, I'll put a...
4: (laughs) I'll put a plaster on it. No, my dear, my dear old friend, I was referring to the case. Sir Edward's corn posture was trying to put us off the scent. It was Lady McCorse
3: trouser all the time. Incredible, Gladys. <laughs> Your powers of deduction never cease to amaze me. How
4: do you know? Elementary, Maria Poston. You see, Leonide Grasspepper posed as Otto Van Potroost in order to confuse her husband, Sylvia Mousehabit. The upholsterer's dog gave the game away when Daphne nerves and Lord Pube Trumpet traced the smell to Limbo Charlie's fried halibut den in Tunbridge Wells. The rest you know. What do you say to that, Poston? <laughs> ah, that'll be faithful old Mrs. Houston. She has served me well these many years as my housekeeper. (laughs) Come in, faithful old Mrs. Houston. Eat
5: your tea, Mr. Gladys. Where should I put the tray?
3: Answers, please, on a postcard. (laughs) To the head of light entertainment, BBC Ghana. There's
5: a lady downstairs that says she's the Countess of Schoon.
0: Well, send her up immediately. right oh, Mr Gladys. I'll ask her to come up. A usual
3: woman, Mrs Houston. The Countess
6: of Schoon. Mr. Lastgirdle, I had to come and see you, sob, sob, gulp, gasp. It's my gulp, husband. He's gasp, sob, disappeared, sob, gasp.
4: Now calm yourself, dear lady. Tell me the whole story.
6: Well, gulp, my sob, sob, husband, gasp.
4: I think you can drop that, love. Let me squeeze the last titter out of that.
6: He went out to buy a newspaper and hasn't come back yet. When did he go? 25 years ago. <laughs> (laughs) We haven't got a moment to lose.
3: And with that, Gladys clapped on his deerstalker hat, clapped on his ferret-stalker boots, and clapped on the offbeat as he shuffled off to Buffalo.
6: Oh, Dr. Poston, I'm afraid for my husband. But
3: surely he's old enough to be afraid for himself. Have you any clue to his whereabouts? Nothing at all,
6: except this note he left pinned to the cat in the fridge. It It says... dear Lil, have gone to number 14 Seaview Terrace, East India Dock Road. will not be coming back ever, so don't wait up. Mm.
3: (laughs) Not much to go on. Still, we can try that address.
6: Good. I've got a handsome outside.
3: (laughs) Pausing only long enough for the double entente contained in the last line to sink in, I hurried her to the street.
6: You, you driving the coconut shells? Oh, d- Did you call me, madam? No, but I will if you prefer it. Oh there, madam. <laughs> madam, do you know Limehouse?
3: No, but if you hum a few bars, I'll soon pick it up. Isn't that rather an old joke? Oh, well, not really. After all, this is 1888. What, do you expect, David Frost? No. no, that is one thing in its favour. Well, then, no. whip up the mare and drive to 14 Seabue Terrace.
2: Oh, right oh, sir. I ho
3: Well, he might have waited for us. <laughs> That evening found us in the narrow, winding streets of Limehouse. Around us thronged the inscrutable inhabitants of London's Chinatown, chattering in their inscrutable native
1: tongue.
2: Thank
3: you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll let you know.
6: Where are we, Dr. Poston? I think we're lost. Well,
3: I'll just inquire. Excuse me, can you direct me to 14 Seaview Terrace?
6: I, oh, sir,
0: have honor to be of assistance to distinguished stranger in neighborhood. First right at Celestial honor at Bedbush, turn left at offices of Honorable Kosher Horse Meet Authority, and you can't miss it. May good fortune attend your journey, and may many children spring forth from your loins.
3: Yes, well, thank you, Constable. Pleasure. Be it. That cafe. Good heavens, look what's written on the window. The Mu Cow, our go-go opium den. <laughs> the Fu Manchu. You go and get the police. I'll go and beard the sinister doctor in his den.
6: Goodbye. Good luck.
3: I strode purposefully down the stairs into a smoke-filled cellar. In bunks all around the walls lay victims of the dreadful habit. As I passed a bunk... <laughs> As I passed the bank, its occupant stirred fitfully and croaked out...
2: Oi, Baldy, shut the door, will (laughs) you?
3: I looked around. So these were the slaves of the dreaded poppy. An old crone shambled towards me, offering me her wares.
6: Hello, dearie. (laughs) Like to buy a dreaded poppy.
3: Well, I didn't know it was dreaded poppy day.
6: (laughs) We have been expecting you, Dr. Poston, (laughs) through
3: here. I pushed my way through a beaded curtain and found myself in a huge, gleaming laboratory. So this was Fu Manchu's den. The sinister doctor stood with his back to me, bent over a figure, strapped to a table, about to inject it with a hypodermic syringe. At least I think that's what he was doing. (laughs) But in the dim light, it might well have been a bicycle pump. (laughs) In which case, I'd sooner not know what he was up to. <laughs> he turned, and in a sudden flash, I recognized my old adversary.
7: Ah, Mr. Horn, We meet again! You, Fu Manchu? Not exactly. Fu Manchu in Ginsburg. I see by expression on your face that you recognize cleacher slapped to operating table. It's
3: the Earl of Schoon.
7: Collection was Earl of Scone. Became slave of the ploppy as now is in my plower. flower. Flower. <laughs> Yes, as in flower game. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know my sicklet, You die. Ha-ha, <laughs> ha But before you die, a little entertainment will summon loveliest of all my concubines, most fragile flower of the East, Lotus Blossom.
5: You're so mighty, Mandarin. <laughs> oh, great warlord, in whose presence all bar Dan and Quo. What do you want, mate? Ah,
7: my little lachy nut! Nah.
4: I think I'm not seeing her at uh, her best today.
7: <laughs> Come, my darling, we would have some music.
5: Certainly, oh, celestial radiance cop. Would you like me... <laughs> would you like me to strum a wistful air? Or would you like me to shake it about a bit? <laughs>
4: And she's had a few beers. She's as common as mac.
7: Uh, let us, bless her sing for us. After two, a-one, a-two.
5: Let me entertain you and we'll have a real good time yet. We'll have a yes. real good time. Yes. Yes, thank you.
7: I like that, Aline. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Leave your name at the stage door of the Hippodrome Bulawayo. <laughs> now, Mr. Horn, you will excuse me. I have an experiment to perform. I am about to plunge this syringe into the Earl of Schoon's arm. When he awakes, he will be a mindless robot.
3: Not so fast. You see this 15-inch navel gun I'm holding? Huh? One false move, and I shall fire a 15-inch navel at you.
1: Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
7: ah, you're too late. Aha, see, it is done. But you will never take me alive.
3: And with that, the evil doctor leapt from the window with a cry of... No! And landed in a passing concrete mixer. <laughs> he was later laid by Queen Victoria. <laughs> as the foundation stone of the Ladybird Strangler home for methylated spirit drinkers. <laughs> and what of the erstwhile Earl of Schoon? Well, it was too late to save him. When he awoke, he had become a mindless robot, almost incapable of intelligent speech. All he could say was, Hello and welcome again to the Seamus Android Show. <laughs> ah, what a tragic end for anyone. Now, the uh, Fraser Hayes Four, the close harmony group who are said to have perfect pitch. It's the one outside the saloon bar of the Baboon and Trumpet. Ladies and gentlemen, the Fraser Hayes Four.
1: We go, whatever we do, we're gonna go through it together. We may not go far, but sure as a star, wherever we go, it's together. Wherever I go, I know he goes. Wherever I go, I know she goes. No fits, no fights, no feuds, and he goes. They go or through thin, All out or all in And whether it's win, place or show this me for you and you for me We'll marvel through whatever we do together Wherever we go Wherever we go Whatever we do We're gonna go through it together We may not go far Sure as a star Wherever we go, it's together show
2: And now, trends.
3: First, trends in music. Now, when I say the name Rambling Sid Rumpo, what does it evoke? <laughs> well, unfortunately, it always seems to evoke Rambling Sid Rumpo. Here he is. Follow me,
4: dearie, you. For I'll haul away me nadger till the grout bender comes out. Yes,
3: yes, try and hold out till then.
4: <laughs> now, uh, what are you going to sing for us this week? While I've been dipping in me gander bag to find you a gladsome ditty, and I've come up with a very tender and furtive madrigal, which has been passed down from father to son until the andal dropped off.
1: <laughs> it's...
4: It's an old Sussex courting song and tells a story of a young Swain who stands beneath his loved one's bearer. He's very small Swain, but then she's, <laughs> she, on the other hand, has got a very low bearer. It's the, uh, it's the prevailing winds. Anyway, he stands there in the full moonlight, plighting his troth, and it's best to plight it where you can see it. Otherwise, you're liable to make a dog's breakfast of the old rigmarole. Now, <laughs> so there he is, plighting his troth. I've, uh, I've often wondered, what is a troth? That's a small furry creature with fins. So, sort of cross between a trout and a sloth. Yes. A curious match. Eh?
3: A curious match.
4: Yes, I often wonder what they saw in each other in the first place. <laughs> Though I, I suppose a sloth hanging upside down tends to have a different slant on things. More than likely. Anyway, nowadays people say that they're extinct. But I believe they're hanging about somewhere <laughs> and they'll come round when they're hungry.
1: Yes, any, anyway. <laughs> anyway,
4: they obviously have to be plighted. Uh, only in the hot weather. <laughs> They go go off otherwise. (laughs) So anyway, this lover is under this tree singing to his lighter love and he tells her of his love as follows. Will you still love me, Mary, oh When my grussets be (laughs) bended low (laughs) When my orbs grow dim And my splod grows white And my cord wangle makes an ugly sigh And my grussets be bended low My grussets be bended low And she sings back to him Ask me if I love you oh Though your grussets be bended low Though your orbs are dim and your splod be white And your cord wangle makes an ugly sight If I feel the way that I do tonight my answer will still be... 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 <laughs> no.
3: Thank you, rambling Sid. We all hope that, like uh, Julie Felix, you'll soon be appearing in Westminster Abbey. (laughs) But in your case, under a slab. (laughs) Well, the nostalgia for the 40s is still with us. People are getting sentimental over the period when Peter Cook and Dudley Moore were known as Enoch and Ramsbottom. (laughs) When Lord Moran was only writing prescriptions. (laughs) When Dad. When Danny LaRue was Doris Hare. (laughs) When Quentin Hogg was only a piglet. (laughs) And Harold Wilson was still with Keppel and Betty. (laughs) And here is an excerpt from one of those wonderful wartime films starring Dame Celia Mullstrangler and ageing juvenile Binky Huckaback.
6: Charles, what's happened to us?
5: Happened? (laughs) To us?
6: Yes, happened. You've changed.
5: A man must change. After all, it's been five years, Fiona. A man can't wear the same vest forever.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Charles, it's more than that.
5: Yes. My socks as well.
6: How easy it is for you to be flippant.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
6: Charles. Charles. A woman. A woman, Charles, needs certain things. She needs sympathy, affection, devotion, understanding, tenderness, infatuation, adulation, idolatry. That isn't much to ask, John.
5: I know. I know you know. I know you know, I know.
6: I know. Then why can't you give it to me? (laughs)
5: It's not easy, Fiona.
6: Charles, Charles, is it, is it her, Daphne?
5: Yes, Fiona, I must go. She needs me.
6: I need you. Does that mean nothing to you?
5: Daphne needs me more, much more. But I shall think of you all the time I'm with her.
6: I'll wait for you, Charles. You will come back to me, won't you? Oh, Charles, when will you come back? How long will it be this time?
5: That depends on Daphne. <laughs> Goodbye, Fiona.
6: Goodbye, Charles. Come along, Daphne.
1: Walk is... Good jogging. <laughs>
3: Part of the dog's bark was played by Bill (laughs) Pertry. Other parts of the dog were played by the BBC Repertory Company. (laughs) Now, everybody who considers themselves to be a really trendy person nowadays has a publicity man, so I thought I'd get myself one. I went to a firm who specialised in publicising show business people. The sign on the door said, Boner Relations. (laughs) Hello, anybody there?
0: Hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy.
4: about your dolly eek again, that little What brings you trolling in here?
3: Well, I felt I was badly in need of some public relations. Oh, well. <laughs> yes.
4: Chacun a son go. Yes. That you is your actual French, you know. Yeah. You hey, French. You see, I
3: want to become a celebrity, French. and I thought you could help me. Yes,
4: now, right. First of all, you've got to consider your image. How should we project him? What do you think, Jules? I don't know. Project him. I you've do got to project not him, know. I've no. been wondering
0: myself. You see, mm-hmm. you don't have any talents, do you? I mean, you don't sing or act or dance or nothing. Well,
3: mm. I was once runner-up in the Sydenham Palais all Comers Freestyle Paso Doble.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, bow. <Bow-bow. laughs> <laughs>
3: I got a a jar of boiled sweets for that. Mm. Yes, of course, that was in 1926. I've eaten most of them now.
4: (laughs) Yes, well, that's not enough to build a career on, Ducking. What you want is to be your actual sort of TV personality, Personality, don't you? You know, TV personality. That means you you can't do nothing, but you make a fortune sitting on panels talking
0: about it. (laughs) Sitting on these panels. Yes. Now, if you're going to... uh, be made into a celebrity. People have got to be intrigued by you, haven't they? Like, yes, they've got to wonder about you. Mm. Like, uh, well, now take Sean Connery. We all wonder about Sean Connery, don't we? Say. <laughs> oh yes,
1: yes. We
0: all wonder about him, all right. <laughs> Wait, I've got He's it. He's got it. Wait, come on. We link his name with yes. a well known film star. Well known film that. star, yes. yes. Go on. How about uh, Kenneth Horne rumoured to be marrying Frank Sinatra? <laughs> mm? That'd make him talked about, wouldn't mm, it? No,
4: Ducky, not a good idea. Oh. I mean, it's all right for a Farrow. She's more his type. Mm. Besides, we used that story last week for Robertson Air. Oh, for God. <laughs> yes. of,
0: course, um, of course, we'll have to change your name. Change I mean, his name. you can't go anywhere with a name like Kenneth Horne. No. No. We want something much more
5: butch. More butch.
0: Something, <laughs> something forceful. Something like, um, rough trade. Yeah. Serge <laughs> Thrust. Surge Thrust. 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 Yes. Very good. Ooh! Ooh! How about Marlon Twist? Ooh.
3: Marlon twist. -twist. That's
0: it, Ducky. Marlon Twist it's you! It's him, isn't
4: it? Oh, then you have to be seen about the place getting drunk in nightclubs, assaulting the police, you know, inviting the Prime Minister to breakfast. Oh (laughs) you've
0: got to have your public exposure. You've Mm. got to get your exposure right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well. All
0: right, how do I do that? Well, you, you've you got to be seeing all the openings. Your openings. Get your openings right. lined up. Get your openings mm-hmm. lined up. Kenneth Horne, photographed at world premiere, in Ursula Andress.
4: Yeah, but I don't know. That's that.
0: where we come in. We can fix that up with the studios. Of course, it
4: costs a bit, do not it? do not you? I mean, right, for some. 200 guineas, you can go with Samantha go For 100, you can go with Monica Vitti. Yeah, but
3: look, I don't want to go that high. I I, I didn't really want to spend more than 20 pounds. 20 pounds? Oh, <laughs> well, I think
4: we can fix you up, there. <laughs> oh, you? yes.
3: 20 quid, we can fix you up with Mrs
1: Shuffle.
2: Wick. Yeah! <laughs> that was *Round the Horn*, starring Kenneth Horn, with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Took and Marty Feldman, and the show is produced by John Simmons.